Welcome to the Pipe Cottage Podcast. We're glad you stopped by. Now grab a pipe, fire up a bowl, and enjoy the conversation. Here's your host, Dr. Alan Harrelson. Hello, all, and welcome back to the Pike Cottage. Glad you stopped by to spend a little time with me. Uh, I want to talk today about pipe smoking in a declining economy. Now, this is not going to be uh, a political discussion. It's going to be a historical and economic discussion, especially as it relates to pipe smoking, etc., uh, etc. Et now first thing I want to do is identify a problem and then talk about possible solutions. The problem, and it's just not me saying this, it's some fairly sophisticated economists saying this, is that uh, the American economy is in fact in decline. Now there are many people in other countries who listen to this podcast and watch this YouTube channel. But um, in the United States, at least, there is a definite decline in our economic stability and our overall national wherewithal, our wealth. But to provide structure to a discussion about this problem, I want to share with you some paragraphs from a 1989 article written by Russell Kirk. Now, I would wager that the majority of my viewers do not have a clue who Russell Kirk was. Russell Kirk was from Macosta, Michigan. He uh, went to St. Andrews University in Scotland and finished uh, PhD, a Doctor of Letters degree. It wasn't a PhD, excuse me. It was a doctorate degree. He got a Doctor of Letters, which is fairly sophisticated, in the 1950s, and his doctoral dissertation uh, was a, a work entitled The Conservative Mind. And that book was highly influential in, in the rise of American conservatism, the recovery, I should say, of traditional American conservatism in the years after the Second World War. And in fact, that book, it could be argued and has been argued, was one of the uh, important segues, one of the reasons why Reagan was elected president in 1980. It was a part of a large conservative uh, movement at that point in the 20th century in United States history. Now, folks, I'm just going to be honest with you about this. I'm, I don't want you to think that I'm just pulling all these facts and this information and this, and this discussion out of the air. Um, I have studied American economics and American economic history in detail. In fact, I have taught courses on American economic history at the undergraduate and graduate levels. So I'm not tooting my own horn. I'm just telling you I've done my research and my homework on what I'm sharing with you this evening. But uh, Russell Kirk was an important writer, and um, this article is actually the final chapter in a book published in 1989, a book he wrote about 
uh, economics. It was entitled Economics, Work, and Prosperity. And so let's, let's use Dr. Kirk's article here to provide some structure to our discussion about the problem we're facing in the American economy, and then we'll get to a discussion of what all of this has to do with pipes, tobacco, and pipe smoking. So this is Dr. Kirk. Some people would like to separate economics from morals, but they are unable to do so. For unless most men and women recognize some sort of moral principle, an economy cannot func function except in a small and precarious way. Moral beliefs, sometimes called moral values, make possible production, trading, saving, and the whole economic apparatus. So what is the importance of the connection between economics and morals? I think it is the same connection that James Madison, uh, one of the founding members of our country and once president of the United States, a wonderful Virginian, by the way, James Madison once said in the Federalist Papers that this country will only succeed if it is, if it is made up in a majority of moral and religious people. If you do not have moral and religious people, uh, this was Madison's point, I'm paraphrasing here, then a republic simply will not work. You can't have self-government without absolute morals and some type of moral compass that exists within the majority of the population. This is Mr. Kirk, Dr. Kirk, again. Adam Smith, the principal founder of economic science, was a professor of moral philosophy. He took it for granted that moral beliefs should affect economic doings. Now, don't y'all shut the video or the podcast off because you think this sounds like a college lecture. There's a point to be made here. And so I want you to hang around for a few minutes and just listen to what I've got to say. This is Dr. Kirk. The success of economic measures, like the success of most other things in human existence, depends upon certain moral habits. If those habits are lacking, the only other way to produce goods is by compulsion. Any economy that functions well relies upon a high degree of honesty. Some cheats and charlatans are found in any society, yet on the whole, in a prospering economy, most people behave honestly. Honesty is the best policy, Benjamin Franklin wrote in the 18th century, echoing an old English proverb. He means that honesty pays in an economic sense. Again, this is Dr. Kirk. On the other hand, those societies in which theft, cheating, and lying are common do not ordinarily develop successful economies. If production and distribution can be carried on only under armed protectors and without any certainty of being paid, then little will be produced and distributed ab above the level of subsistence. When bargains are not kept and loans are not repaid, Prices are high and interest rates are higher, which discourages production and distribution. I listened to the president's 
State of the Union address. Bits and pieces of it. And I know that there are many people who listen to this channel uh, who are not necessarily conservative, and you probably are conservative. You're not as conservative as I am. But, but folks, let's, let's put um, some facts in place here. We have a federal government, not simply the executive branch, a federal government that genuinely believes to a certain degree, a dangerous degree, that the economy is in good shape, that inflation is not on the rise, that more and more people are able to buy homes now than ever before. People in government should never be judged upon what they say, but rather what they do. And if we judge our current government based upon what they do, then we must conclude that the economy is in poor condition. Little is being done to increase the private sector and private free market capitalism in the United States. And this all ties into this decline of moral uh, sensibilities at least as I see it, not Dr. Kirk, this is Dr. Alan Harrelson speaking to you. As I see it, there is a definite decline in public morality in American society. Not only American society, but Western society on the whole. Uh, this country historically has been about 40 years behind uh, advancements and decisions that are, um, that are made in European society. Now, Europe has experimented more with socialism than we ever have, but we are reaching the point in this country where we are experimenting with socialism to a much higher degree than we've done before. Uh, but let's get back to this article from Dr. Kirk for just a second, and please hang on. Listen to me now. I've got some points I want to make at the end of this uh, video. This is Dr. Kirk. Another moral quality or habit important for the success of an economy is the custom of, custom of doing good work, of producing goods of high quality. The Romans had a word for this, industrial, a moral virtue from which our English word industry is derived. Goods should be produced and services rendered for the sake of turning out something satisfactory or even admirable not for the sake merely of cash payment. This affection for quality is bound up with the hope of pleasing or helping the purchaser or the customer, doing something kindly for other people, even though producer and distributor may even see, uh, may never see most of the customers. If that is not a perfect description of the pipe and tobacco industry, I don't know what is. Most all of the pipe shops and tobacco companies that I know of uh, are not simply interested in making money. They are interested in making money, but they're interested in, interested in producing finely crafted products. The pipe industry, the pipe tobacco industry, is one of the few um, industries left in American economics, at least, that still value a well-made work of art and value the experience that a customer receives when they are enjoying and using that work of art, whether that be a briar pipe, or whether that be a corncob pipe, or an oil-crafted pipe tobacco blend.
it's an act of kindness to offer the customer a well-produced good, a well-produced product that can be enjoyed. What's, what, what should be illegal about that? Why is that something that the government seeks to tax at an exorbitant rate? We'll talk about that more in just a couple of minutes. But let's get back to Dr. Kirk here. So he's talking about generosity here. He says, Generosity is a moral quality on which a sound economy depends. Producer and distributor, when they are moved by generosity, do not envy one another. They may, may be competitors, but they are friendly competitors like contestants in a sport. You know, when we operated the Pipe Cottage business, we made several thousand dollars a month profit. We made good money doing it in South Carolina. And of course, you know the story of why we're not doing it in Kentucky right now. But while, while we were in business, I never for once considered myself to be a greedy competitor or a heartless competitor with other people who sold online. I just wanted to share folks my share with folks my passion for this lifestyle and sell some product to people, have a package come to their door that they were proud to receive from a company that they trusted. But never one time did I ever try to make it seem like other companies, other people who were selling pipes and tobaccos could not be trusted as well or could not also provide wonderful experiences. We don't have that kind of competition in the pipe world, and, and, and that's something worthy of preservation. And I'm glad to say that um, that sort of camaraderie has continued even amidst the declining American economy of this 21st century. This is Dr. Kirk again. A spirit of generosity towards others is still at work in America. But in much of the world, listen to this now, in much of the world, a very different spirit has come to prevail. In Marxist lands, envy is approved by the men in power. Marxism. I'm not going to go into a description of what Marxism is and what Marxist economies and communism uh, says, but folks, we were not intended to be a socialist and Marxist economy in this country. The economy had a major role to play in the reasons why we have a United States in the first place. I mean, do I need to go into a history lesson about what taxation without representation meant in the 1760s and 1770s? Perhaps we should, but I don't want to get into it right now. Listen to Dr. Kirk. Private wealth and personal success are, are denounced on principle in Marxist countries. The Marxist indoctrinator deliberately preaches envy. By appealing to that strong vice, he may be able to pull down constitutions, pull down classes and religions. In the long run, the envious society brings on proletarian tyranny and general poverty. In both the short run and the long run, the generous society encourages political freedom and economic prosperity. Now, this was in 1989, well over 30 years ago, a full generation ago. 
And Dr. Kirk lived through the Second World War. He lived through the Korean and Vietnam uh, conflicts as well. But I wonder what he would have to say if he were here now. Because overall, Western countries, including the United States, since the 1980s, have not been moving in a direction of free market capitalism. We have been moving in a direction of more increased government control over the economy. It's not simply, simply the United States, but what is striking about this. Now listen to the numbers, and I've been reading some articles and reading some facts about this information. In American society now, well over 50% of the voting population are either millennials or, or people born since the year 2000. And the vast majority of the people in those generations do not believe in free market capitalism. Now, I've got some theories about why that is. Perhaps one of the most important theories uh, is that American universities and colleges are breeding grounds uh, for uh, socialist economic policies. Universities and colleges have done great damage, massive, great, almost irrevocable damage to the younger generation of Americans. And Winston Churchill had a quote about this, and I don't remember exactly what it was, but uh, he said something to the effect that if you are a liberal when you're young, that's somewhat understandable, but if you're still a liberal when you're older and you've lived life and you have experience, then something, something bad wrong has happened. I mean, that's not what he said, and he wouldn't have said it like that, but that ultimately that's what Churchill's main point was. And I'm not trying to step on people's toes if you vote Democrat, you vote Republican, whatever the case is. Uh, but folks, we have to get real about the decline of the economy in this country and what we are going to do about it with discretionary income. Pipe smoking relies upon discretionary income. It's not a need. It's not food, shelter, or clothes. It's a hobby. It's a part of our lifestyle. And so if we're reaching a point in this country where we're having a difficult time putting food on the table, the price of living is going up day by day, then there's going to be less and less discretionary income to pay for things like pipes and pipe tobacco. So what's the solution to that? Well, before I talk about the solution, I have one more paragraph I want to read to you from Dr. Kirk, and then I'll talk to you about what I think we can do as pipe people to continue our lifestyle and our, our hobby regardless as to the condition of the economy. So, Dr. Kirk again. In our time of troubles, many strange economic doctrines are preached. Yet there is reason to believe that the productive market economy will be functioning well a century from now. The errors of command economies and the blunders of utopian welfare states have become obvious to a great many people, while Adam Smith continues to make economic sense. So long as many people work intelligently with good moral habits for their own advantage and for the prosperity of a nation, an economy will remain healthy. But hard work and sound habits may be undone 
by foolish public policies or by the violent envy of totalist states. Listen to this. There is a strong need for watchfulness on behalf of the economy. So that's all I want to share from Dr. Kirk. So what do I have to say to bring all this together and tie it together in, in, in the context of pipe smoking and um, the lifestyle that you and I enjoy? Folks, pipe tobacco and pipes will never be as cheap as what they are now. Never will be. I mean, even though we're not selling pipes and tobacco at the moment, I still get trade emails from Sutliff out of Richmond, Virginia, Laudisi out of South South Carolina, uh, Arango Cigar Company out of Illinois. And what all these companies are telling the uh, retail businesses is that the price of items is going up. The, the price of tobacco is going up, the price of pipes is going up, and so what retail companies are having to do is adjust what you, the price of what you have to pay as a consumer, um, the, the, the end consumer. So the problem is, okay, on the large, in the large scheme of things, on a large scale, the broad context, historically I can tell you, based upon a lot of study and a lot of years of research about this, that since the Second World War, the American economy, the Western civilization economy, has not been moving in a direction of increased free market capitalism. It has been moving in a direction of more government involvement in everyday activities, everyday economic decisions. The problem is the government thinks that they know best what you should do with your money better than you do. But history has proven over and over again that government-controlled economies do not produce wealth on a large scale for a large amount of people within that society. It has never worked. It has never worked. So what do we do uh, 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 as pipe smokers? Well, the first thing we can do is we can start cellaring. I think that's one thing that you should be doing already if you're not. If you want to be a pipe smoker 20, 30 years from now, you need to start cellaring some tobacco. If you're just in it to kind of see whether you like pipe smoking, you're a beginner, this may not be as important to you. But if you're in it for the long term and you really want to continue smoking a pipe, like I'm in my 30s now. When I'm in my 50s and 60s, I still want to be smoking a pipe and enjoying it and not having to pay $25, $30, $50 or more for a tin of tobacco. Uh, there are countries all over the world, and including Canada, I would say, that are paying $45, $50 a tin because of taxes on pipe tobacco. Now, why is tobacco taxed so much more than other items? Well, because... The government sees pipe tobacco in the same category as, as cigarette smoke. Cigarette tobacco is, is just destructive to your body. It's uh, a health hazard. I'm not convinced for one minute that any state government in this country or the federal government is at all concerned whether you die because of tobacco. Con it's an excuse to get more money from taxes from a consumer good. 
I'm not. Do you honestly think, does anybody honestly believe that the United States Congress or any state legislature or state government is genuine, genuinely, genuinely concerned, excuse me, excuse me my, my, my words are running together here. Do you think that they are genuinely concerned if you croak tomorrow because of your use of pipe tobacco? Now, pipe smoking and health concerns is the topic for an entirely different video, but I'm not convinced that pipe smoking is going to make you die any earlier than you ordinarily would. And I don't think that any serious doctor would say that moderate pipe smoking, that we're talking one to three bowls a day, is going to take you to your grave any sooner than necessary. Folks, you're going to die one way or the other. I posted a quote on my Instagram page not too long ago, and it was something to the effect of... Uh, I would rather live a life that is broad in nature and shorter than one that is longer with narrow experience. I don't want to miss out. If I didn't find pipe smoking and I didn't find the enjoyment of, of pipe tobacco, I would think that I would be missing out on something. If I, di if I were not able to enjoy my pipes, I would think that, that there's some aspect of life that I know I enjoy, but I'm missing out on it. So what, why does government have to intrude upon that? Well, this is the problem when you have a government structure that thinks they know better how to control your life than you do yourself. So cellaring is one thing we can do. Cellar tobacco. I think overall the solution to uh, uh, an ever-growing government at both federal and local levels in this country is to gain more local home control of your economic decisions. Make decisions that put you in a situation where you have more control over your everyday activities and the goods that you use on a daily basis. Jim Harrison was, hey, I think he's still alive. I, I don't know that he's dead. I think he's still alive, actually. Jim Harrison from Denmark, South Carolina, down in Bamberg County, South Carolina, in the Low Country. He is a very famous and very well-known, uh, highly accomplished artist. And he paints these beautiful portraits of southern rural life, old southern farms. And he wrote a book years ago about the old way of living in the South, and he was waxing nostalgic about uh, the way folks used to be more responsible for things. And My copy of that book I bought at a Cracker Barrel store probably 20 years ago. I know you can't find it in the Cracker Barrel now, but I bought my copy in an old Cracker Barrel store right there before we had dinner after church one Sunday. And... Uh, and I've read it many, many times. And one thing that he, one, one thing that Jim Harrison says in that book is that he wished he lived in a time when people were more responsible for the small, little, everyday things. More responsible for the food you put on your table, for the fire that goes in your fireplace, for the energy sources that you enjoy in your home. And I sympathize with that. 
And I think we as pipe smokers uh, need to be, it's, it's going to get to the point, I may be wrong, but I have a gut feeling it's going to get to the point where it'll be cheaper for you to grow tobacco than to buy it. It'll be cheaper for you to grow tobacco, learn how to process, process it yourself, create your own blends, than it will be for you to buy it. And I'm not so certain that's not what I'm going to do. I mean, we've got good land here. We've got land that can produce good tobacco. I know it'll produce burley. And Kentucky is a premier state for burley production. And I can learn how to uh, cure my own tobacco and create my own blends. Just like folks used to raise their own meat and cure their own meat and have a smokehouse and they'd milk their own cows and learn how to make cheese for themselves. You know, it's not just tobacco. Anything that we, the good thing that we have in, in, in pipe tobacco is it's a natural product that we can grow on our own land and we can control the production of it. We don't have to rely on McClellan or Cornell and Deal. We, we, we don't have to rely upon these corporate entities that either are non-existent anymore, they're going out of business such as McClellan, or they're producing tobacco that we tobacco that we have to pay taxes on it's not uh, you know i don't think i could ever create my own kentucky bourbon because <laughs> i don't have the talent the skill set for that and it, that takes a lot more and that's another n another episode another topic something else that's taxed beyond measure that there's it, it, no sense in it but we need to gain more control over our everyday items, our pipe tobacco. Learn how to grow some stuff on our own. And so I think those two things are uh, the answer to uh, the problem of, of long-term pipe smoking in a declining economy. I don't think it's going to get any better. I do not think, regardless as, who's the, uh, regardless as who is the president of the United States, regardless as whether the Congress is primarily Democrat, pi primarily Republican, I don't think the decline in the economy that we're seeing now is going to be solved in my lifetime, and I'm in my 30s. Because the historical trajectory for the past three or four generations at least, at least, has been towards more government involvement in people's everyday lives. So I would encourage you to buy, baby, buy. Buy as much tobacco as you can, and not simply from these large um, online companies. Go to your local brick and mortar. Go to the small companies online that sell house blends of tobacco. I mean, I just ordered a pound of Persian slipper from What City Cigars, and it wasn't expensive at all. I mean, I've never tried Persian slipper. I heard Preacher Man Piper talking about it, and I said, well, that sounds like something I'd like because I really, really do enjoy Oriental blends. So I ordered a pound of that. I ordered a pound of Sutliff holiday mixture. I mean, I am ordering pipe tobacco in bulk now. Not simply a little old tin. It's cheaper to buy it in bulk, and I would encourage you to do the same. If you're building a cellar, it's easier and quicker to buy in bulk than it is to buy tins. 
And how do you store it? How do you sell it? Just get a mason jar and buy them now. Because when we get to the spring and the summer, when people who grow gardens and have to have those mason jars for their vegetables, uh, you ain't going to be able to find mason jars in the store. Buy mason jars now and fill them up. Screw the top on them, and buddy, there you go. You got the tobacco ready to rock and roll for the next generation. That's what you do. But anyway, I'm going to get off here. This video is already way longer than what it needs to be. But I wanted to say, if you're still with me, uh, I do have uh, a YouTube membership ordeal now. We've got some members. I think we've got like four or five members on it now. But if you want to join our YouTube membership, I think it's about $3.99 a month, something like that. And what we're going to do is we're going to have some live pipe meetups, some live pipe smoking sessions together at least once a month. As soon as we get 10 uh, members, I'm going to start it. And, and you can talk to me about whatever you want to talk about. And I look forward to it. I want to get to know some of my viewers and my subscribers in a live stream where I can see you and talk to you rather than me simply talking to a, a camera. I can talk to you and we can enjoy a bowl together. So if that's something you're interested in, uh, we'd appreciate you uh, joining our Pipe Cottage YouTube membership. And uh, for those of you on the podcast, um, that's, that's open to you as well, of course. And uh, once we get to 10 members, we'll start that um, regular uh, pipe meetup. And I, I'm looking forward to it. But anyway, I'm going to stop. I'm going to enjoy this fire. I'm going to fire up a bowl of tobacco. And I'm so pleased and thankful and honored that you spent some time with me this evening. This is Alan Harrelson with the Pipe Cottage. Thank you for stopping by. Thank you for listening to the Pipe Cottage Podcast with Dr. Alan Harrelson. We look forward to visiting with you on our next episode.